I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Bershaw Waller. <laughs> What's that you got in your mouth? Marshmallow. <laughs> Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Mm, marshmallows. <laughs> Good. Was it delicious? <laughs> yes, I was not. I did not know we were starting, and I was like, <laughs> I want to eat this giant jumbo marshmallow. And then it started, and I was like, Well, here we go. Well, I'll try to edit out the chewing sounds later. Nah, later. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, so, welcome back, welcome back, our wonderful loyal listeners, to episode four of yeah, Campfire Classics. You are a loyal listener if you have made it to four. If you've made it this far. I mean. Yeah, thanks for thanks for hanging out with us. I almost didn't make it this far, so the fact that you've made it this far is really saying something. <laughs> I mean, after that last story, <laughs> oh. we had to take a walk. We took a walk outside. Yeah, like that was intense. That one was that one was um, it was a lot. I'm still reeling from it a little bit. It was really freaking good, and if you haven't read it yet, I don't want to give any spoilers. But the star was yeah. so good. Oh man, like we tried again. We tried to be funny, but. You know, you know. Eventually, it just I it I stopped over. I stopped remembering that it was supposed to be a comedy podcast, <laughs> and I was just like, no, fucking, I just want to know what happens. Just tell me what happens. So that's great. I mean, that's I mean, yes, it's a comedy podcast, but I mean, we're really doing this because we love these stories that we've been discovering by yeah. just reading stories out loud that we would have never actually read out loud. And uh, that's a new favorite. Yeah. And H.G. Wells is definitely the father of science fiction. Yeah. So we'll be reading more of him. You can look forward to more H.G. Wells in the future. Um, he's got a whole bunch of short stories. Uh, we'll just have to find some that, um, well, look look like a length that we can get through. <laughs> or we'll do a doubleheader. Or we'll, or we'll do a, a, yeah, we'll do a two-part episode. Ooh. Leave you with a cliffhanger. Ooh, we're gonna do some, we're gonna do some cliffhanger episodes. But we first we gotta hook you. So yeah. if you're here and you are interested and excited about a uh, longer story, uh, let us know if there's one that you've always wanted to read or one that you've read that you'd want us to read. Uh, post it on one, the Facebook page or one that you've always pretended that you read, <laughs> but you've never actually sat down and gotten through and you'd like someone else to do all of the work of reading it for you, you should message us about that. For too. me, that was Jane Eyre. It was in my Brit Lit class in high school. And if Mrs. Clink, if you're listening, I did not read that <laughs> book. I cliff noted the shit out of it. Oh. <laughs> but I, to this day, I'm like, oh yeah, Jane Eyre. Oh, yeah, that one. I the fire. Definitely, <laughs> definitely I read that one. <laughs> I had a play that week and probably a dance competition. And you know, I was busy. I mean, it took me the longest time to actually read... Um, to Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, I think it was assigned in three different classes from, like, late elementary school through the end of high school. And, um, no, I didn't, uh, I didn't read it until I was, um, well, off after school living on my own. Well, there you go. See? Um. I think that's, like, 
when people tell you to do something or tell you to read something, it's like, ugh. But then, like, once you grow up, and again, we start reading these books, we're like, no wonder oh. they told us to read these. These oh, are this good. Is actually really good. <laughs> so the moral of the story is stop telling kids to read things. They're not going to. Tell them they can't. Yes. And then they will. Be like, don't read the books. Don't read those silly books. Take away all of their free time. Also, all of their freedom to go out and do anything else. <laughs> oh. And then you, just sit, you just took it to that place. And then they'll just sit inside and read good books all day. Well, that's what I did. Yeah. For part of my childhood, at least. Yeah. But then, yeah, I got to, like, high school, and they're like, you must read these books. And I was like, I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of busy... Our Patreon page has been getting busy. Yeah, it has. <laughs> we feel so excited. Like, we started this and we're like, no one's going to, like, give us money. Because that's, and I every podcast I listen to, they say that too. But, like, uh, we, in one day, got three new patrons. Hell yeah. And we're so excited. And um, as promised, when you become a patron on Patreon, we're going to give you a massive awesome shout out on this podcast. So... Our very first patron joined at the star level. Um, and if you go to the Patreon page, you'll understand what that means. Um, and his name is Eric Teeter, and we love him. And Thank you, Eric. You got the ball rolling, and Eric, you, um, you rock. Um, and then our second... Uh, Patreon patron is uh, joined at the ensemble level. Um, again, check it out. And her name is Catherine Bowery Huang. And we love her. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you very much. Thank you both. You guys are so awesome. Seriously got the ball rolling. Uh, I thought it might be weeks before I even got someone like my mother to support <laughs> us. And you guys both beat her. Yeah. Mom. No shame. You support me in so many other ways. <laughs> Mom and Dad, you're literally housing us right now, so we support you. Um, and then, so that all happened. This all happened in like three hours. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, Kat, it's happening. Um, and then our third one joined at the intern level. And his name is Jeffrey Allen Mead. And you might remember Jeffrey um, because if you've watched our socially distanced cabaret, uh, he is a, one of our guest performers in, uh, both of them <laughs> that are, ha yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Jeffrey Alameen. So Eric, Catherine, Jeffrey, you guys are truly rock stars. We cannot do this. We cannot continue to do this without you. I mean, we are artists and we're living in a society right now that has limited what we can do to make money and you're helping us buy supplies and create more art in the future. So. so, Eric, Catherine, Jeffrey, thank you very much to our founding patrons. You are founding patrons, and if you would like to be one of our founding patrons and earn some cool swag and some cool merch, and uh, just, uh, you can get Ken's cheesecake recipe, as we talked about. Mm -hmm. Also, the respect of all our many, many listeners. Yeah, well, the respect of us and all the listeners that are building just as fast is our Patreon page. <laughs> yeah! Um, then head to patreon.com slash 5050artsproduction and check it out. Thank you guys again. Eric, Catherine, Jeffrey, you are true Campfire Classics rock stars. So, uh, so moving on to the, the meat of this the thing. The meat, yeah. So, like, 
What am I reading today? Today, uh, we are um, reading a classic, actually one that not only is the author very well known, but the story is Wait, quite well known. Wait, it's a classic? Known. What's the name it's of the It's a podcast? classic. <laughs> Um, no, but so this is this is this is actually a story that's quite well known. But oh. through through conversation, I know it's one that y- you have never read. That makes um, sense. This is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's A Scandal in Bohemia. Ooh, this wait, is, that's a Sherlock. Yes, yeah, this is a Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes thing. Um, uh, because you know, um, we read a lot of. We read a lot of mysteries and um, supernatural and science fiction and whatnot, and uh, Sherlock Holmes is sort of the, the prototype, the prototypical um, detective novel, well, mystery as novel. As we discussed in an earlier podcast, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. Uh, I think that might have been in one of our promos. Was it in one of the promos? Yeah. Oh, well, I just remember talking about Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. and you being like Benedict Cumbersnatch. I think I said ben- Bendelbum Cumbersnatch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, this is this is going to be your your second attempt at reading some Doyle. Uh, but last time you did it, we had about ninety seconds, yeah. and uh, now we've got an entire episode. You're going to get through a whole book. Cool. You want to give um, us some like fun facts? Because like that that's something we started last time, and I like it. I like that we're getting a little bit of education. A little, a little bit of education. So um, Arthur Ignatius Conan Doyle. <laughs> yes. Was born in Scotland in 1859. Oh, he's Scottish. Um, despite being one of the most famous English authors of all time, he's actually Scottish. He'll never um, tell you that. And despite being one of the most famous authors of all time, he actually uh, attended medical school. He was, uh, he studied all of the, how your inside parts work. Is that what, oh, so that's, it's like Which, Watson. Yes, so he's yeah, Watson. yeah, he's, he's Watson. He wrote yeah. himself. In fact, if you, uh, if you're listening right now, go ahead and Google for a picture of Sir oh Arthur Ignatius Conan Doyle. Why is it always mustaches? And tell me that is not exactly what you want Watson to look like. That's also exactly what I want Poirot to look like. Yeah. I mean, um, oh my God, brilliant. So continuing our theme of uh, Campfire Classics being a fan cast to mustaches and tombs, um, <laughs> check out, yeah, check out on the, oh check out the God, mustache on Sir Doyle. Oh my God, glorious mustache. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, that's enough of, um... Uh, uh, fun facts for now. For now? Uh, We're going to read more of him. We'll I'm be sure. reading more of him, I'm sure. Uh, so there's plenty of time to get fun little details on him. Um, but that's that's it for now. I well, think we get this fire, fire started. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm excited. We listen to the story. Alright, let's hear what you got. Alright. This is a scandal in Bohemia. To Sherlock Holmes, she was always the woman. Oh, it's the woman! <laughs> oh, it's Irene Adler! It's Irene Adler, yeah. Oh, I love this. I've seen plays about this, and I've, like, seen the the Sherlock episodes, and, like, there's even in the movie uh, with um, um, Robert, Downey, Robert Jr. Downey Jr. It's referenced, but I've never actually, I've never read the story, like, the origin story. So, this yay! Is, this is the woman. I am so excited. <laughs> the woman. I have seldom heard him mention her by any other name. In his eyes, she eclipses and predominates the whole of her sex. (laughs) So she's super hot. Or she's just really awesome. Or both. Or both. It was not that he felt any emotion akin to love for Irene Adler. 
All emotions, and that one particularly, were abhorrent to his cold, precise, <laughs> but admirably, admirably balanced mind. <laughs> he was, I take it, there's the first stumble of many, he was, I take it, the most perfect reasoning and observing machine that the world has seen. But as a lover, he would have placed himself in a false position. <laughs> <laughs> he, this dude was really <laughs> smart. And attractive, probably. But he had no idea what to do with his bits in the bedroom. Oh, he he had no... I mean, when your mind moves that fast, I cannot imagine ever being like, yeah, let's just uh, hang out for a while without our clothes on. Like, he'd immediately be, like, solving, like, and, like, analyzing every scar on her body or his body or, like... (laughs) Let's slow things down and move them to the bedroom. (laughs) And then he takes one look at you and, like, huh, when were you in Lebanon? What? (laughs) What? know your favorite food with strawberries what How do you know that? i'm so sorry about your pet gerbil fluffy <laughs> i haven't thought about fluffy since fourth grade and he starts analyzing and you just never get to the good so <laughs> oh well sherlock it's okay we love you anyway he never spoke of the softer passions save with a glib and a sneer They were admirable things for the observer, excellent for drawing the veil from men's motives and actions, but for the trained reasoner to admit such intrusions into his own delicate and finely adjusted temperament was to introduce a distraction factor, which might throw a doubt upon all his mental results. Yep. Love messes with you, man. They they always say don't fall in love. One thing's for sure. Love stinks. Love stinks. First time I heard that song was in The Wedding Singer. (laughs) Yeah. And to this day, that is the, like, (laughs) that is the version I hear whenever that song comes on the radio. Why in God's name has Adam Sandler not played Sherlock Holmes yet? (laughs) Well, oh my God. Will Ferrell tried. That was not good. Oh, that was a wrap. That was a wrap. I wanted that to be so good. I wanted it to be so good. I wanted it to be so good. And it was not, like, it was the wrong kind of funny yeah. And it, oh, it just didn't, it didn't play. So if you haven't seen that, don't. Don't. don't do that to yourself. Don't. And if you have, I'm sorry. We're going to give you this hour back in your life right now. So enjoy this. And if you enjoyed that movie, good for you. Good. That's awesome. Awesome. It's, I totally get. I actually get, like Will Ferrell, but that I, was just wrong. I totally get that, that some movies just aren't for everybody. I think I said something a little snarky about the Tom Cruise uh, update of The Mummy. That was me. A couple episodes ago. <laughs> Um, I I know I I said that I can't really comment because I haven't seen it, but I've not heard good things. That said, if you saw that movie and loved it, good for you. Good for you. I fully support everybody's right to, to like, enjoy things. You should enjoy things, even if I think they're fucking stupid. Enjoy what you, gotta love what you love. It's fine. It's other, one person's trash is another person's treasure. Yeah. Oh my God, the cat's at the door. (laughs) Uh, all right. See, I told you guys. I told like every time we come in to record, like comes up. She just wants attention. She just wants love, and you're gonna hear her get fed again because this microphone is ridiculously powerful. Yeah, I was editing. Um, I was editing that episode we did. Uh, 
two, two episodes ago. Was two, yeah. Uh, the the Dickens one, and yeah. I was like, oh my god, you can hear everything in this microphone. I'm halfway across the room feeding the cat, and it sounds like I'm mixing her food right <laughs> under the microphone. <laughs> right, so we've gotten off topic. You're welcome. Um, so we're gonna get back to this uh, this non-loving Sherlock Holmes who apparently has some feelings for this Irene Adler. But for the trained reasoner to admit such intrusions into his own delicate and finely adjusted temperament was to introduce a distracting factor which might throw a doubt upon all his mental results. Grit in a sensitive instrument, or a crack in one of his own high-power lenses, would not be more disturbing than a strong emotion in a nature such as his. And yet, there was but one woman to him, and that woman was the late Irene Adler, of dubious and questionable memory. Wait, does she die? Keep reading, keep reading. Oh, fuck! Wait, we just met her and she's already dead? Well, everybody dies. Well, yeah, but... Oh, man, I always thought they'd, like, get together. Like, 90-year-old them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had seen little of Holmes lately. My marriage... Oh, that's right, because he's, he's now married. That's right. Oh, so now I know where we are on the timeline. I had seen little of Holmes lately. My marriage had drifted us away from each other. My own complete happiness and the home-centered interests, sex, which rise up <laughs> around the man who first finds himself master of his own establishment, were sufficient to absorb all my attention, sex. While Holmes, who loathed every form of society with sex. his whole bohemian soul, remained in our lodging in Baker Street, buried among his old books and alternating from week to week between cocaine and ambition. Sounds like theater school. And <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, so theater school th- wait. So theater school for you was um holding yourself up, not having sex, and alternating week by week between doing lots of cocaine. And getting shit done? I didn't say that was my experience with theater school. I just have a lot of friends who that is definitely how they got through theater school. <laughs> but I think they were having sex. <laughs> they were just uh, uh, meshing Watson and Holmes's experience. Oh, so she just wanted food. Now she's she leaving. She just wanted food. Now she's gone. All right. I see how it is. All right. So... Uh, between cocaine and ambition, the drowsiness of the drug and the fierce energy of his own keen nature, he was still, as ever, deeply attracted by the study of crime and occupied his immense facilities and extraordinary powers of observation in following out those out those clues. That's the weirdest way it's clues spelled. It's spelled C-L-E-W-S. Clues. Clues. How this is? I mean, there it was a long time before standardized is, spelling yeah. hit. So I mean, it looks. I mean, it does. If you like, sound it out. That does spell clues. 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 He's <laughs> writing in the liquid U sound for um, you. Um, I I should be reading this. You in should the British be reading dialect. this in RP. All right, here we go. <laughs> you asked for it. We all love how they're doing a dialect. This one I'm actually not terrible at, but I'm gonna say that now and let's see how long it lasts. Hang on, let me paint a mustache on you too. Oh God. <laughs> it's being narrated by Watson. Ah, uh, whatever. In following out those clues and clearing up those mysteries which had been abandoned as hopeless by the official police, 
From time to time I heard such vague account of his doings, of his summons to Odessa in the case of the Trepov murder, of his clearings up of the singular tragedy of the Atkinson brothers at the Triclalet, and finally of the mission which he had accomplished so delicately and successfully for the reigning family of Holland. Oh, did he, like, solve a crime for, like, the royal family of Holland? That's that's good. He did lots of stuff. He's he busy. He was, he was a busy boy. That's why he needs the cocaine. Beyond these signs of his activity, however, that's which... That's why he needs to get laid. <laughs> he doesn't have time. Beyond these signs of his activity, however, which I merely shared with all the readers of the Daily Press, I knew little of my former friend and companion. One night, it's... Bros before hoes, man. He's like just like left him to do his thing, and he's just. At least he admits it. But did you just call his wife a hoe? <laughs> I mean, I also say hoes before bros <laughs> to my girls, so I'm not. I think hoe. I mean, if you're a hoe, live your life. I think more I'm, power to you. I'm just saying duels have been fought over less than that. Bring it. I've seen Hamilton. <laughs> Doesn't work out too well. Doesn't work out too well for Hamilton. Or Actually, doesn't work out too well people. for anyone. Spoilers. Uh, one night, it was on the 20th of March, 1888, I was returning from a journey to a patient, for I had now returned to civil practice, when my way led me through Baker Street. As I passed the well-remembered door, which must always be associated in my mind with my wooing and with the dark (laughs) instincts of the study in Scarlet, I seized with a keen desire to see Holmes again and to know how he was employing his extraordinary powers. His rooms were brightly lighted, and even as I looked up, I saw his tall, spare figure pass twice in a dark silhouette against the blind. He was pacing the room swiftly, eagerly, with his head sunk upon his chest and his hands clasped behind him. To me, who knew his every mood and habit, his attitude and manner told their own story. He was at work again. He had risen out of his drug-created dreams and was hot upon the scent of some new problem. Oh good, he's having a sober day. Yay, sober day. So he rang the- I rang the bell. (laughs) He's like, good, I don't deal with this. I rang the bell and was shown up to the chamber which had formerly been in part my own. His manner was not effusive. In seldom, it seldom was, but he was glad, I think, to see me. <laughs> yeah, he's not someone that's like, oh my God, it's been so long. He's like, sup, and then moves on. <laughs> oh, you're here. Oh, Great. oh, that's right, you. Hey, what? here, hold this. Hold this, and uh, I'm going to tell you 20 things that you've done since I last saw you just by looking at your face. <laughs> Again, like Poirot. The worst friend in the world. Like, the best friend, but also the worst. So, like, you, there are no... Like, the best friend, because there are no secrets. I mean, though it's very one-sided. It's very one Very <laughs> one-sided. Very one-sided. Holmes is nothing but secrets. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he slowly learns about him and, like, his brother and all that weird shit they're doing. Yeah. But, like... But no, like, Holmes takes one look at Watson and he's like, huh, you've been married for, what, three weeks and you already missed two nights of sex, huh? Sorry, man. Damn, rough. (laughs) Oh, well, I told you not to get married. Anyway, um, his manner was not effusive, it seldom was, but he was glad, I think, to see me. With hardly a word spoken, but with a kindly eye, he waved me to an armchair, threw across his case of cigars, and indicated a spirit case and a 
gascogene in the corner. What's a gascogene? Gascogene? Yeah. I don't know. Is it spelled like it sounds? G-A-S-O-G-E-N-E in the corner. Ooh, first word of the episode. If I could spell, this would go easier. Gasogene is a late Victorian device for producing carbonated water. Oh! It's, it's a soda stream. Oh my god! <laughs> what? That's awesome! Seriously? Oh my god, I'm Gasogene literally, I'm literally drinking or Seltzogene. Right oh my god, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm literally drinking LaCroix and like, I thought this was a new thing. That's fantastic. Nope. It's a Victorian soda stream. Bad ass. He's like, here, have a cigar and some whiskey and some sparkling water. That's a, that's a good friend. Then he stood before the fire and looked over me in his singularly inspective fashion. Wedlock suits you, he remarked. I think, Watson, that you may have put on seven and a half pounds since I saw you. See? <laughs> Worst friend ever. Seven, I answered. Indeed. I should have thought a little more. Just a trifle more, I fancy, Watson. And in practice again, I observe, you did not tell me that you intended to go into harness. <laughs> what? Into harness? Uh, keep what? reading. Maybe oh, there will be context clues. Kinky, kinky, kinky stuff going on. <laughs> then how do you know? I see it. I deduce it. How do I know that you have been getting yourself very wet lately? <laughs> And that you have a most clumsy and careless servant girl. <laughs> All right, dude. Oh, my God. a lot about Watson this, this What book. is going on? My dear Holmes, said I, this is too much. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay. Uh, um. Dude, personal boundaries. <laughs> Come on. You would certainly have been burned had you lived a few centuries ago. <laughs> yes. It is true that I had a country walk on Thursday and came home in a dreadful mess. Oh, that's what he meant by wet. But as I have changed my clothes... Sure it is. Mm -hmm, I can't imagine how you deduced it. As to Mary Jane, she is an incorrigible... Uh, she is incorrigible, and my wife has given her notice. Oh, poor servant girl. <laughs> she tried she so hard. She's her job. She's just like, like, um, whoops. Like, yeah, okay, feel bad for her. But seriously, if someone's bad at their job... Like, they either get better or get fired. Well, she got fired. Oh, well. She'll move on. She'll, she'll go do something better. But there again, I fail to see how you worked it out. He chuckled to himself and rubbed his long, nervous hands together. It is simplicity itself, he said. My eyes tell me that on the inside of your left shoe, just where the firelight strikes it, the leather is scored by six almost parallel cuts. Obviously, that has been caused by someone who has very carelessly scraped round the edge of the sole in order to remove crusted mud from it. Hence, you see, my double deduction that you had been out in vile weather and that you had a particularly malignant boot-slicking specimen of the London slavery. Holy shit! Deuce! As, as to your practice, if a gentleman walks into a rooms, walks into my room smelling of Idaform with a black mark of nitrate of silver upon his right forefinger and I bulge on the... 
and a bulge on the side of his top hat to show where he had secreted his stethoscope. I must be dull indeed if I did not pronounce him to be an active member of the medical profession. (laughs) Oh, Sherlock. I could not help at laughing at the ease with which he explained his process of deduction. When I hear you give your reasons, I remarked, the thing always appears to me so ridiculously simple that I could easily do it myself, though as each successive instance of your reasoning, I am baffled until you explain your process. And yet, I believe that my eyes are as good as yours. Quite so, he answered, lighting a cigarette and throwing himself down into an armchair. You see, but you do not observe. The... Distinction is clear. For example, you have frequently seen the steps which lead up from the hall to this room. Frequently. How often? Well, some hundred of times. Then how many are there? How many? I don't know. Quite so! You have not observed, and yet you have seen. That is just my point. Now, I know there are seventeen steps, because I have both seen and observed. By the way, since you are interested in these little problems, and since you are good enough to chronicle one or two of my trifling experiences, you may be interested in this. He threw over a sheet of thick pink-tinted notepaper, which had been lying open upon the table. It came by the last post, he said. Read it aloud. The note was undated, and without either signature or address. There will call upon tonight at a quarter of eight o'clock, it said, a gentleman who desires to consult you upon a matter of very deepest moment. Your recent service to one of the royal houses of Europe, Holland, I'm assuming, has shown that you are one who may safely be trusted with matters which are of an importance which can hardly be exaggerated. This account of you we have from all quarters received. Be in your chamber then, at that hour, and do not take a miss if your visitor wears a mask. <laughs> Whoo! Well, that's nice of him to wear a mask. Yeah, he's just being um, future conscious. He d- maybe it's time travel. Maybe it's the doctor. The doctor's visiting Sherlock Holmes. And he just came from think, 2020 COVID times. I don't think the doctor has ever visited Sherlock Holmes. I don't Holmes. think he has. That's crazy. Well, well, I guess it's... Since he's a fictional it's character, a fictional it's not character. that crazy. He, he, could, he could visit Arthur Conan Doyle. He could visit Arthur Conan Doyle. Quick, so important question. Yes. How many stairs are there between here and downstairs? Fifteen? Go do it! Go do it! I, like, I literally just, like, threw, there's a big step in the middle, so, like... How many? Fourteen. Did you count the floor? I counted the step down to the floor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, so... So if, did you count the step at the top? I counted the step down how many to steps, the top. How many steps do you... It's how many steps you take. So 14. Yeah. So, it's, so fif- it's 15 if you count one standing still at the top. 14 if you count one taking the step down to the first step. Um, y'all at home, you decide uh, <laughs> if I was right. Um, or if I was wrong. But... All right. Yeah, it's true. Do you observe or do you see? That is the uh, the difference between a detective and a... Oh, you're tired now. <laughs> Relax. Sit back and enjoy. This is indeed a mystery, I remarked. Who do you imagine that it means? 
I have no data yet. It is a capital mistake to theorize before one has data. Insensibly, one begins to twist facts to suit theories instead of theories to suit facts. But the note itself, what do you deduce from it? I carefully examined the writing and the paper upon which it was written. Well, the man who wrote it was presumably well-to-do, I remarked, endeavoring to be intimate, to imitate my companion's process, to be intimate with my <laughs> companion's process. Mm. Well, I mean, trying to do both, I suppose. I guess both. To imitate my companion's process. Such paper could not be bought under half a crown a packet. It is particularly strong and stiff. Peculiar, that is the very word, said Holmes. It is not an English paper at all. Hold it up to the light. This is something you can't do now as a detective. Like, everyone has a freaking cell phone and they send text messages. Send text messages and all paper comes from Office Max. Yeah, it's all from Office Max <laughs> or, like, it's often the same, like, 12 paper mills and half of it's recycled and half of it's not. It's like, there's no English paper versus, like... That's that's too bad. Yeah, being a detective now is well. They it's also very, have DNA. It's stuff. a very different thing. There's there's DNA in the internet now, so you've got those advantages. Yeah, but Sherlock would be confused. Well, I guess that's what the Benedict Cumberbatch one is. He uses that's what that. it's all about. Peculiar. That is the very word. Said Holmes. Not English paper at all. Hold it to the light. I did so and saw a large E with a small G, a P, and a large G with a small T woven into the texture of the paper. What do you make of that? asked Holmes. The name of the marker, no doubt, or a monogram, rather? Not at all. The G with the small T stands for Gesellschaft, which is the German is German for company. It is a customary contraction, just like our co. P, of course, stands for paper. Now for the E.G. Let us glance at our con con ten mm, continental gazetta. Gazetta? <laughs> I'm assuming that's their like newspaper. Paper, yeah. The continental gazetta. He took down a heavy brown volume from shelves. Eglo, Eglonitz, here we are, Egria. It is a German-speaking country in Bohemia, not far from Carlsbad. Remarkable as being the scene of the death of Wallenstein and for its numerous glass factories and paper mills. Ha-ha, my boy, what do you make of that? His eyes sparkled and he sent up a large blue triumphant cloud from his cigarette. Why is this cigarette... Blue, blue smoke. I, I think that's um, uh, <laughs> the heroin. <laughs> yeah, it's all the morphine he's yeah, smoking. Say, there's something else in that cigarette. No, I'm well. You know, color is color is um, uh, uh, subjective. That's true. Maybe maybe Watson um, is a little colorblind, and gray and blue are very. I mean, they are in the same family. Well, and once upon a time, so theory holds mm -hmm. that blue is one of the last colors identified um, by... Uh, by like spectrum? Or like... By human beings. Like, in the color spectrum, it was one of the last colors that, that people were able to, like, go, oh, yeah, that's blue. Oh. Um, because it was so easily mistaken for either gray or just, like, clear. Because it's the color of the, the sky. sky. Yeah. It's just, like, clear. Which is why you actually find a lot of um, old texts... Uh, referring to the the sea, the ocean, as being the color of like wine. That's 
some weird ass like, wine. It's, it's either or or like they they call it either purple or green. Oh. But very rarely do they call it blue. And like and then you hit a point where they're like, oh, we figured out what blue is, and then it's <laughs> the the blue sea. But um, that's interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. So so the the point being um, how how we perceive color is very subjective and has changed throughout time. Cool. Love that. Love that fun fact. Yes. So, blue triumphant cloud from his cigarette. The paper was made in Bohemia, I said. Precisely. And the man who wrote the note is a German. Do you note the particular construction of the sentence? This account of you we have from all quarters received. A Frenchman or a Russian could not have written that. It is the German who is so uncourteous to his verbs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if if Holmes could hear my atrocious German accent from a couple episodes he ago. He probably would approve, He'd actually. probably be like, yeah, that's an accurate depiction. That's, that's about, that's it. <laughs> it only remains, therefore, to discover what is wanted by this German who writes upon bohemian paper and prefers wearing a mask to showing his face. And here he comes, if I'm not mistaken, to resolve all of our doubts. As he spoke, there was a sharp sound of horses' hooves and grating wheels against the curb, followed by a sharp pull of the bell. Holmes whistled. A pair by the sound, he said. Yes, he continued, glancing out the window. A nice little brogum? 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 Brohem? Brohem? I don't know. Broham? A nice little broham and a pair of beauties. (laughs) Is that a type of horse? Uh, or a buggy, maybe? Or, like, the actual carriage? I don't know. Yep. Yeah, a carriage. it's a carriage. And then the pair of beauties is horsies. A horse-drawn carriage with a roof, four wheels, and an open driver's seat Ooh, in looks, front. That looks like something, like, Jack the Ripper went around in. Yep. Cool. They are absolutely going to get murdered. I mean, it is Sherlock Holmes. It's not like that doesn't happen. <laughs> 150 guineas apiece. There's money in this case, Watson, if there is nothing else. So that's, he now has deduced that this person's rich. I think I'd better go, Holmes. Oh, not a bit, Doctor. Stay where you are. I am lost without my Boswell. And this promises to be interesting. It would be a pity for you to miss it. But your client, never mind him. I may want your help, and so may he. Here he comes. Sit down in that armchair, doctor, and give us your best attention. A slow and heavy step, which had been heard upon the stairs and in the passage, paused immediately outside the door. Then there was a loud and authoritative tap. Come in, said Sherlock. A man entered who could hardly be seen less than six feet, six inches in height. That's tall. Woo! Uh, with the chest and limbs of Hercules. <laughs> Damn. All right. His dress was rich with a ri- his dress was rich with a richness which would <laughs> that is a there is a tongue twister. His dress was rich in a richness richness which would in England. <laughs> Say that at home fast. So here's here's your challenge for this episode. Record yourself saying. His dress was rich with a richness which would. Five times fast. <laughs> and uh, post it online. Share a link on the 5050 Arts Production Facebook page. Or 
email your sound file to 5050artsproduction at gmail.com. And we'll just enjoy them and, and we'll just share enjoy some it. of them, maybe. I like it. All right, I want to do it one more time because it made my mouth, like, tickly. <laughs> His dress was rich with a richness which would, in England, be looked upon as akin to bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy bands of escon were slashed across the sleeves in front of his double-breasted coat, while the deep blue cloak, which was thrown over his shoulders, was lined with flame-colored silk. Ooh. <laughs> this guy is going for all sorts of look. He is working it. This guy is like uh, Tim Gunn's friend. <laughs> and secured at the neck with a brooch, which consisted of a single flaming barrel. Boots, which extended halfway up his calves and which were trimmed at the tops with rich brown fur, completed the impression of barbaric opulence, which was suggested by his whole appearance. He carried a broad-brimmed hat in his hand, which he wore across the upper part of his face, extending down past the cheekbones, a black vizard mask, which he had apparently adjusted that very moment, for his hand was still raised to it as he entered. From the lower part of his face, he appeared to be a man of strong character, with a thick hanging lip and a long straight chin, suggesting of revolution pushed to the length of obscenity. <laughs> wow. That, I can see that man right now, and he is delightful. He's, he's fantastic. <laughs> I'm so excited. I, I love that description. I'm there, like, there's something in that description where I'm th- like, I'm trying to think of the people who I can imagine who could pull off that look, and I'm I'm going to like Billy Porter. I'm Billy Porter, but like Billy Porter built like The Rock. <laughs> right, but I'm just I'm just but trying like, to think of. And I actually I would absolutely watch The Rock. The, the Rock walk into a room <laughs> in a with like blue flame colored coat and. And a mask and like this fur fabulous boots. fur boots. And a wide brimmed hat. Oh my god, yes, yes, yes. You had my note, he asked. Oh, mm-mm. you had my note, he asked with a deep, harsh voice and a strong. Oh, German accent! Why is this even <laughs> happening to me? I hate this. God damn it. <sighs> you had my note, <laughs> yes. I'm oh, so- it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, that's Austria, it's close enough. It might be. Ooh, Arnold Schwarzenegger could play this. For sure. It's there Arnold it is. Schwarzenegger. You has my note. <laughs> yes, with a deep, harsh voice and a strongly marked German accent. I told you this I would call. He looked uh, He looked from one of us to the other, as if uncertain which to address. Pray take a seat, said Holmes. This is my friend and colleague, Dr. Watson, who is occasionally good enough to help me in my cases. Whom have I the honor to address? You may address me as the Count von Kram, a bohemian nobleman. I understand that this gentleman, your friend, is a man of honor and discretion, whom I may trust with a matter of most extreme importance. If not, I should much prefer to communicate with you alone. I rose to go, but Holmes caught me by the wrist and pushed me back into my chair. (laughs) It is both or none, he said. You may say before this gentleman anything which you may say to me. The Count shrugged his broad shoulders. Then I must begin, he said, by binding you both to absolute secrecy for two years. Two years. At the end of that time, the matter will be of no importance. 
At present, it is not too much to say that it is of great weight that it have, have, may have an influence upon European history. Oh, shit. That's like, that's intense. <laughs> but in two years, it won't matter. This is this is an intense non-disclosure agreement. This is a variant by uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I promise. By Arnold Schwarzenegger dressed as a 70s dressed pimp. a 70s pimp or like a badass Billy Porter. <laughs> and I, uh, I promise, said Holmes, and I, you will excuse this mask, continued our strange visitor. The august person who employs me wishes his agent to be unknown to you, and I may confess at once that the title by which I have just called myself is not exactly my own. I am aware of it, said Holmes dryly. He's like, yeah, bitch, <laughs> Yeah, no I know. shit. He's like, do you know who I am? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Do you know who I am? Because I already know who you are. Yeah. You can say you don't want to tell me, but I figured it out 50 seconds ago. The circumstance... The circumstances are of great delicacy, and every precaution has to be taken to quench what might grow to be an immense scandal and seriously compromise one of the reigning families of Europe. To speak plainly, the matter implicates the great house of Osteen, Osteen, Ormstein, hereditary kings of Bohemia. I was also aware of that, muttered Holmes, settling himself back in his... I love how he's such a dick. <laughs> he's like, yeah, keep talking. It's fine. As you're talking, I'm actually solving the case. And uh, that's I've, what's up. I've, I've, I've already figured out all of this shit you're telling yeah, me. Can yeah. we just get to it? Uh, <laughs> our visitor glanced with some apparent surprise at the languid, lounging figure of the man who had been, no doubt, depicted to him as the most incisive reasoner and most... Energetic uh, agent in Europe. Holmes slowly reopened his eyes and looked impatiently at his gigantic client. If your majesty would, con uh, would condescend to state your case, he remarked, I should be better able to advise you. The man sprung from his chair and paced up and down the room in uncontrollable agitation. Then, with a gesture of desperation, he tore the mask from his face and hurled it upon the ground. You are right, he said. I am the king. <laughs> <laughs> Sherlock's like, okay, we can play this game, like, all night long, or you could just, like, get to it. <laughs> He's like, clearly... I've got this figured out, dude. Let's just get to the... Ah. Fine, your majesty. He's like, damn it. <laughs> and, I would, and I thought of such a good disguise. I am Never the mind that like a six foot six barrel chested German speaking king yeah. is probably a fairly well known figure. Yeah, that's a hard person to like hide. The king of Bohemia. Yeah. Oh, why should I attempt to conceal it? Why indeed, murmurs Holmes. Your Majesty has not spoken before I am aware that I was uh before I was aware that I am addressing Wilhelm Gostrich, Singman on Orsteam, Grand Duke of Castle Felstein, and hereditary King of Bohemia. <laughs> so I apologize to all the words I just murdered. <laughs> But you can understand, said the strange visitor, sitting down once more and passing his hand over his high white forehead. You can understand that I am not accustomed to doing such business of my own person. 
Yet the matter was so delicate that I could not confide in an agent without putting myself in power, without putting myself into his power. I have come incognito from Prague for the purpose of consulting you. Then pray consult, said Holmes, shutting his eyes once more. The facts are briefly these. Some five years ago, during a lengthy visit to Warsaw, visit to... Visit to Warsaw. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Germany. Um, strangely sounded a little bit like Chekhov from, uh, from Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Uh, where was I? Uh, destroying language. During a lengthy <laughs> visit to Warsaw, I made the acquaintance of the well-known adventuress Irene Adler. A name is no, the name is no doubt familiar to you? Kindly look her up in my index, doctor, murmured Holmes without look, opening his eyes. He's like, damn it. Oh, man, she's back. For many years, he had adopted a system for docketing all paragraphs concerning men and things, so that it was difficult to name, when it was difficult to name a subject or a person on which he could not at once furnish information. In this case, I found her biography sandwiched in between that of a Hebrew rabbi and that of a staff commander who had written a monograph upon the deep sea fishes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see, said Holmes. Hmm. Born in New Jersey in the... Oh, no, she's from... Irene Adler's from New Jersey. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that is amazing. Jersey. Wait, born in New Jersey, not in Jersey? Yeah, New Jersey. All right. Yeah, so she's American. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> Let me see, said Holmes. Hmm, born in New Jersey in the year of 1858. Contra Alto, hmm, La Scala, hmm, Prima Donna, Imperial Opera of Warsaw. She's a singer. Retired from operatic stage. Ha, <laughs> lived in London, quite so. Your Majesty, as I understand, became entangled with this young person, wrote her some compromising letters and is now desirous of getting those letters back? Precisely so. But how? Was there a secret marriage? None. No legal papers or certificates? None. Then, then I fail to follow your majesty. If this young person should produce her letters for blackmailing or other purposes, how is she to prove their authenticity? There is the writing. Poo-poo forgery. <laughs> I love that poo-poo comes up. Poo-poo. Poo-poo. I want to bring poo-poo or poo-pooed back poo -poo. into more, like, commonplace language. Great. Let's do it. Like, that's just, it's it's hilarious and to the point. It's oh, like, ah, oh, poo-poo. It's like, ah, oh, fuck off. Like, it's, oh, that's ridiculous. It's very, it's, it's, it's very, uh, Maggie Smith in Downton Abbey. It's poo-poo. Poo. It's like they don't say bad words, but they just like they say poo poo. They just they just they don't say shit. They say poo 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 poo. -poo. They let you know how they feel about you <laughs> without condescending. Yeah, it's like poo poo. All right, so now we're figuring out this poo poo forgery. My paper, my private note paper, stolen. My own seal, imitated. My photograph, bought. We were both in the photograph. 
Oh dear, that is very bad. (laughs) (laughs) Your majesty has indeed committed an indiscretion. I was mad, insane. You have compromised yourself seriously. I was only crown prince then. I was young, but I am 30 now. Because <laughs> 30's old as fuck. <laughs> no! It must be recovered. We have tried and failed. Your majesty must pay. It must be bought. She will not sell. Stolen, then. Five attempts have been made. Twice burglars in my pay ransacked her house. Once we diverted her luggage, which she was... which. When she travelled, twice she had been waylaid. There has been no result. No sign of it. Absolutely none. Holmes laughed. It is quite a pretty little problem, he said. (laughs) But it is very serious one to me, returned the king reproachfully. Don't piss off Arnold Schwarzenegger. He will (laughs) fuck Fuck you up. He could, like, stomp on Sherlock's head. Very indeed. And what does she propose to do with the photograph? To ruin me. But how? I am to be I am about to be married. So I have heard. To Clotlead Lothman von Saxmagine, second daughter of the King of Scandinavia. You may know the strict strict principles of her family. She is herself the very soul of delicacy, a shadow of doubt as to my conduct would bring the matter to an end. And Irene Adler threatens to send them the photograph, and she will do it. I know that she will do it. You do not know her, but she has a soul of steel. She has the face of the most beautiful woman in the mind that would the most that would (laughs) she has the face of the most beautiful of women and the mind of the most resolute of men. Rather I, rather than I should marry another woman, there are no lengths to which she would not go. None. Are you sure she has not sent it yet? I am sure. And why? Because she said that she would send it on a day when the betrothal was publicly proclaimed. That will be next Monday. Oh, then we have three days yet, said Holmes with a yawn. <laughs> that is very fortunate. As I have one or two matters of importance to look into just at the present. Your Majesty will, of course, stay in London for the present? Certainly. You will find me at the Lagnum under the name Count von Kram. Then I shall drop you a line to let you know how we progress. Pray you do. I shall be all anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Then as to money? You have carte blanche. Absolutely. I tell you that I will give one of the provinces of my kingdom to have that photograph. Oh, shit. He's going to be like, here's some of Bohemia, Sherlock. Come on. You're just like... Great. Here's a title. Get me that picture. You will be a lord of my country. Just give me that damn photograph so I can marry this sweet virgin whose parents don't like that I dated somebody else before I even knew her. As for the present expenses... Oh, have that photograph. As for the present expenses... The king took a heavy leather bag from under his cloak and laid it on the table. There are 300 pounds in gold and 700 in notes, he said. Holy shit, that's a lot of money. Not bad for three days' work. Wow. That was like carrying carrying a fucking uh, kettlebell up the stairs. (laughs) That's heavy. (laughs) Holmes scribbled a receipt upon the sheet of his notebook and handed it to him. 
And Mademoiselle's address, he asked, is Briny Lodge, Serpentine Avenue, St. John's Wood. Holmes took a note of it. Oh, one other question, he said thoughtfully. Was the photograph in a cabinet? It was. Then good night, your majesty. Then, oh, hello. Then good night, your majesty. And I trust that we shall soon have some good news for you. And good night, Watson, he added, as the wheels of the royal brougham rolled down the street. If you would be good enough to call tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock, I should like to chat this little matter over with you. many of you realized uh, we obviously paused. we paused and what ken thought was the end of the short story it is a short story there's only 13 pages left so we're about halfway through but that was the end of chapter one not, not the end of the story <laughs> so when i thought i was choosing a, a story that would take us about an hour to get through it's actually going to be closer to two and maybe a little more maybe depending on how long we talk but I think this can be our first two-parter. So, surprise! This is going to be our first longer one, which is something we talked about doing at the beginning of the episode anyway. So, boom! We're doing it! So, uh, I really hope you've enjoyed this, our fourth installment of Campfire Classics. Oh, he hasn't even met her yet. I'm so excited. <laughs> he's going to be so, like, oh, he's he's going to fall in love with her. And I, I like... <laughs> but she's, like, she's as smart as he is. It's the best! There aren't many people who are as smart as he is. I know. No. That's why he falls in love with her. So, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this, our fourth installment of Campfire Classics, uh, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Uh, if you have enjoyed this episode and you've enjoyed the previous couple episodes, you should tune in to episode five, which will be A Scandal in Bohemia, part two. You should also... Visit our Patreon page and visit our website, which is 5050artsproduction.com. Or uh, like us on Facebook, 5050 Arts Production Facebook page. Um, just uh, consider supporting us however you can with likes or shares. Um, whatever you can do, we love it and we love you for listening. If you go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash 5050artsproduction. Yes. Uh, if you go there and you donate some money, it gets you all kinds of goodies. Patreon.com that's... 5050 Arts Production. That's what I said, right? I don't know. I said patreon.com slash 5050 arts production. I'm drunk. Wow, that was fast. Um, but <laughs> donating gets you all kinds of goodies. Uh, for for as little as $2 a month, you, you'll get, uh, you know, a shout out here. And, and cheesecake recipes. Uh, and uh, my, my recipe for cheesecake. Uh, if you go to $5, you start getting things like behind the scenes recordings and yeah. footage. Uh, and it, it goes from there. You see all of that on... And every page. little bit helps us uh, continue to make this happen, make our cabarets happen, and everything else we do here at 5050. So uh, support us if you can. Once again, thank you so much. This has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Part two coming soon. See you next time.